It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? You found us once again right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for another class of Lax Class. Lax Class 210 is now a go. Appreciate you hopping on board. Jake Elliott, Tino Farrow with you this week. Is Evan still having some some lingering side effects from his uh, bout with COVID? So no Evan this week, but I think he'll be okay. He's just... uh, Feeling a little rough today, so no Evan, but Tino, you're here. What's going on? Welcome back to Lax Class. Uh, how are things? Yeah, things are good. It's funny. Me and Evan keep like avoiding each other I unintentionally. Know. He, I think, like, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe I scared him a little bit with my threat of shoving him into a locker. Who's to say? Um, but yeah, obviously he's. He said he was battling with the COVID. If I if I heard correctly, so yeah. hopefully uh, he's he's on the mend here. You guys both better be careful and get healthier. I'm just gonna bring Dowick back on a full time basis and screw both of you. Hey, I mean, like I heard the conversations last week. Uh, I don't know the 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 juggling of guests seems to be a, a hot topic here. So yeah. who's the same? Maybe Dowick comes back. Yeah, he might. Uh, we got to talk about Jimmy Dowick here coming up in uh, quarter number one for the big focus, of course. And uh, quarter number two, we got one team left. You know, it's the Albany Firewolves for our NLL season previews. I cannot believe this that we're. I told you like two months ago when we started this thing, it was going to just whip by. The season was going to be here before you know it. And here we are just a a couple of three weeks away. Albany, the last team on our board as the professor, Glenn Clark, will join us in quarter number two. Another guy that's playing hurt today is NLL crew chief Todd LeBronch, who Of course, eclipsed 400 officiated games in the National Lacrosse League, the first and only to do it. Uh, He's playing a little hurt today as well, but he's going to step up, grind it out, and uh, come on and join us in quarter three, talk about maybe any new rule tweaks or focus calls that we can expect to see for the upcoming season for the NLL here. So uh, Todd LeBrunch, Glenn Clark coming up. Lax class locks, of course, are coming up in quarter number four. Evan has submitted a pick. Uh, World Cup soccer is starting, Tino. I'm excited about this. You would think maybe Evan would, you know, go Canadian. But no, he's going off the board with some random soccer game back in the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, that we'll talk about in quarter number four as well. Lax class locks coming up. And uh, what else? How was, how was the weekend? I don't even ask you that yet. Yeah, I mean, weekend. my weekends these days are so full, man. Like, I feel like I just, I'm I'm working like real, pretty much every day. So by the end of, by the end of the day on Sunday, like I'm, I'm exhausted. I was pretty, pretty lucky. I mean, unfortunately, Jen's feeling sick right now, mm. so it resulted in us having a super lazy day yesterday, which I was kind of down for. I, I was down to just, for the most part, do. Well, the farmers markets are closed now, and uh, <laughs> you know it's a little cold for the pier out there in White Rock, anyways. So it's true, but hey, sometimes those I think I'm turning into like a walk kind of guy, like oh. a nice Sunday morning, <laughs> crisp air, little walk. I think I'm kind. Maybe I'm just getting old. Like I don't uh, know. no, 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 because uh, I I do that every Sunday morning myself, Tino. Well, I guess I'm old, so maybe you are, but uh, burn. Yeah, we actually 
Denny and I took a trip to the States. A little Trader Joe's uh, escapade there, Tino. I know you're a big fan of that store as well. And I kind of bartered with her a little bit. I said, well, if you want to go to Trader Joe's, there's a pretty good disc golf course oh uh, right down there near Trader Joe's in Bellingham. Mossy Rock, Tino. Uh, nice wooded, hilly uh, track around there in Bellingham. And uh, funnily enough, you know, I went there as, as kind of a single. Just, you know, Danny was going to walk around with me and uh, ran into some guys from Burnaby. Well, I was down there. No uh, way. And uh, hooked up with them, ended up playing playing around with those guys. So it was a fun time. And then, uh, of course, the doubles on, on Sunday. I was all exhausted, played like garbage on, on Sunday. But we don't want to talk about any of that. We got uh, a big program to get into here. And I don't even know if you know this, Tino, but Evan kind of alerted me to this as well. With episode 210, I believe this past weekend was Lax Class's four-year anniversary i can't Wowie. believe it four freaking years of lax class haven't missed a week tino wow pretty unreal i feel pretty lucky like the the stretch that i've been on for there have been some pretty big milestones i think like episode 200 and and so on and and some big like news events that have happened since i've been on so it's yeah. been a crazy ride for me like even though it's been pretty short but uh, yeah, it's well, it's the, you're going to get a little taste of the fun part here because normally Challoner will will come back for the regular season. But uh, with him being the big TV star that he is and he's got the new job and new house over there and on Vancouver Island, I don't think uh, old Chally boy is going to have enough time to, to step in. So I think you're going to ride it out here through the NLL season with Evan and I and uh, get in on who you got and all the rest of it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's the suck best it, time Brad. of the year. Yeah, suck it, Brad. <laughs> Where was it going with all this? Four years, 210 episodes. Uh, by the way, talk to Stampede Tech. They're back on board for another year who you got, so we can look forward to all that. But uh, let's get into this here, Tim, because we do not have a little lot of time here. A little lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. It's time for the big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. The big focus. Big focus. Another than a big focus. 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 Brought to you by Rycor Construction. Rycor Construction, they make it stand out. Check them out. Instagram, Facebook. You can see their work. They give you the before and the after shot. You will not be disappointed. Your eyeballs won't be, at least. And I don't think your bank account will be either. Very reasonable price. They do quality work. Interior, exterior renovations, tons of experience. And they can do whatever you need them to do. Triple W Rycor Construction.ca or at Rycor Construction, Inc. INC, you know, on Facebook and Instagram. So check those guys out. Proud sponsors of the Big Focus, which kind of flip flopped here, Tina, on what to do for this week's Big Focus. And I was just gonna like, I saw all the scores coming through the weekend of exhibition going on at Onalagoa Arena and around uh, our country here a little bit. So I was just gonna kind of recap the action from the weekend as far as exhibition games go and then news dropping just yesterday about the first Ontario center in Hamilton going under some major, major renovations over the next couple of years. It's not going to affect the Toronto rock this year, who of course just moved from Toronto to Hamilton and is really one of the first Ontario centers, primary tenants. 
I don't think they'll be affected this season, but definitely for the following and quite potentially the one after that as well. And they're not the only ones, right? The the Bulldogs, uh, the Honey Badgers of the Canadian Elite Basketball League are also affected here. And an article coming out that these other two groups were kind of saying like, oh, we didn't know this was happening. Now we're kicked out of our building and we're scrambling to find a place to to go play for the next two years where Jamie like was like, yeah, I, I knew it was coming and we'll, it's not ideal, but we'll make the best of it and we'll figure out how to make it work. And so he didn't seem all that taken back by it where the other two guys were just absolutely flabbergasted that they were getting kicked out of their building. Um, but this is obviously not ideal for anybody involved, but when it's all said and done, the first Ontario Centre is going to be a world-class facility. I think originally they kind of planned to do renovations around people's schedules and, and kind of make it all work. But now they said, you know what, we're just going to go all in here, pump a bunch of money into this thing. And in order to do it, we need to shut it down for a couple of years. But when it's all said and done, this place is going to be spectacular. And I think, at least for the Rock's sake, they're willing to go through a little short-term pain for some long-term gain. Yeah, that's that's basically the phrase that I was going to use. Just and full disclosure to all the listeners, like um, I'm, I just glanced at the at the article for the or at least the the article that the Rock put out. I just recently read it like a few minutes ago. So it's oh, pretty by the way, I gotta get this into you. Know, you know what Dawa calls Evan? He calls him Shemin Shemin Ronger Shemin Ronger. <laughs> <laughs> he, tell you, he goes, oh, just listening to the pod again. Sheminar couldn't be more wrong. I said, what did he do now? He goes, well, he's talking about the playoff schedule. No more crossover, which looks like they're going to go that way. But nothing has been formally announced. And Evan just uh, was speaking on it like it was gospel and a, and a done deal. And <laughs> Jamie does not take too well. To Sheminronger. Wow, just got to get his shots in wherever he yeah. can. <laughs> well, I was going to call Evan out while he was here, but he's not here. But I, I couldn't let that go by because I just thought it was hilarious. Anyways, yeah, please okay. continue. Um, but the, the other thing I was going to say as well was um, the approach that Jamie's taking of of remaining calm and whether or not like he knew about it or didn't know about it or whatever. I think that I I think that gives off a good vibe for the rock that, you know, the the man that's that's running the ship essentially is. You know, like while it may be like, we said, like short, yeah, level headed, short term pain for the long term gain kind of situation. But to be able to just take it in stride and be like, hey, yeah, we're going to have a we're still going to have a successful season this season. And then we're going to deal with this as it as it approaches and, and figure out a plan here. But, you know, like we still got a job to do. So let's focus on the job yeah, ahead. And that's uh, Jamie in a nutshell. Right? Like I, I like gonna, that approach a lot. Yeah. He's not going to get too worked up over over anything, quite frankly. Um Potential venues for the Rock to play in. Again, not this season, not affected. It's the following 23-24 season. Coca-Cola Coliseum that holds 8.1K in Toronto. The Sleeman Center in Guelph holds over 5,000. The Odd 7.1 in Kitchener could be doable. Meridian Center 5.3 in St. Kitts. So there's some options around the greater Toronto area. A lot of people saying, well, why don't you go on a tour and do Peterborough and do Brampton and do, you know, where at London, just travel around Ontario. That makes it very difficult to do totally. for TV purposes and all the rest of it. But 
I don't mind that idea either. Like I, I think it'd be pretty cool just to go on a tour of Ontario if you're if you're the Rock. But I digress. Um, I did want to get quickly to the exhibition scores here if I can uh, as we do have Glenn Clark waiting and I don't want to keep Glenn Clark waiting too long here but I will keep him waiting for a couple more minutes um, he'll hear this and be like what the hell so Friday night down in Onalagoa Arena in Aguasasne the San Diego Seals scored a couple goals this weekend Tino I don't know if you saw this <laughs> not. They, did yeah, not have, they did not have Dobie or Dixon I think Curtis Dixon getting married this past weekend, and Dobie was obviously in his wedding party. Uh, they didn't seem to miss him too much as they put up 18 against the Desert Dogs, 18-9 the final on that one. Three games on Saturday, Calgary nipping Rochester, 11-9. Colorado falling to Toronto, 16-12. to San Diego scores another 18 goals, this time against Halifax, who put up 14. And then three games on Sunday, Firewolves. Talking about this, 16-9 over the Roughnecks. Saskatchewan fed Buffalo some lunch, 15-6. And Halifax got past Vegas, who looked to be a lot better on Sunday, 15-12. The final on that one, a few more exhibition games to come as we work our way to December 2nd opening face-off for the National Lacrosse League season. And we'll keep you posted on all the exhibition action. As we move along, but we're going to move along to quarter number two now and get the head coach and the general manager of the Albany Firewolves. Glenn Clark will join us next year on Lax Class on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. This is Ian McKay from the Buffalo Bandits. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we're into quarter number two, which is brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, of course, as they continue to sponsor our NLL season previews. I mentioned in quarter one, they're back on board for another year here on the podcast, which means another fun-filled season of who you got. Christmas is coming up, Tino. It's right. We're past Remembrance Day, so we're allowed to start talking about it. I can't get mad at people for putting up decorations now, as it's after. I think that's the rule, right? You can't do that before. Anyways, uh, Daddy was asking me if if they carried Pendleton blankets. I have no idea what Pendleton blankets were, but she's <laughs> she's. We watched Yellowstone last night, of course, and uh, I'm pretty sure like. 90% of the stuff you see on Yellowstone you can get at Stampede Tack and Western. Pendleton Blanket's not one of them. Uh, so I probably shouldn't have mentioned that, but I did anyways. But he said, you know what? Go with it. Yellowstone, if you want to get your inner rip on, everything that that dude's wearing in that show you can get at Stampede Tack and Western. Wear jean jackets, boots, hats, belts, all of it. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local, or head out there to the Dale. I know Tina likes to cruise the Dale every now and then. They've been there since 1966. Stampede.ca. Back on the podcast, one of our favorite guests here is the head coach and general manager of the Albany Firewolves, saving the best for last year, Clarky. Uh, Albany Firewolves, last team to preview. You got to go first last year. You're going last this year. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me, guys. Our pleasure, man. Uh, you're living in Albany now, you just told me. How's that going? It's been fantastic. We, you know, we, we spent the summer, I saw you over the summer uh, on the West Coast. We spent the summer in Nanaimo. 
and we're back in Ontario for a week and then relocated down to Albany in time to get the younger ones into, into school. And it's been great. They're playing hockey, playing lacrosse, playing basketball. And it's, it's been great. It's been a real good, uh, uh, transition. Well, help me out with this because I'm no geography major and, uh, probably couldn't find my, my own city on a globe, but how far is Albany from where you used to live? Like how far was the trip? Not too far. I mean, it's about six, six and a half hour drive. Okay. So if you need to get home and see the family or, you know, see the parents or whatever, you can, you can do that pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. It's about six hours Southeast. And then then you got, you're telling me, like, I know you got four kids, two are older and they're kind of off doing their own thing, but you got two young ones and you've got them already registered in hockey and lacrosse and everything down there. Like you're not messing around. No, and in fact, we did that in April. My wife came down and, and had my younger guy in tryouts in April before we went out to Nanaimo and got a hockey team. And then they've been playing lacrosse and hockey and basketball or schools. It's It's been good. It's been a good, uh, smooth transition. Awesome. Enjoying it. Tino, far away. Yeah, well, I mean, let's hop right into it. Your week is just a few weeks away. What, uh, what's been your sense on training camp so far? I've liked it. It's been great. Um, you know, you may have noticed we made a few changes in the off season. So <laughs> kind of uh, hard not to notice. Kind of hard yeah. not to notice. So you, you know, there's there's a sense of unknown. I mean, you, you make decisions based on the information you have, and uh, but I've liked it. It's uh, it's a different look. Uh, you know, our defense is essentially intact, and I, I I think in some ways our defense is probably going to be a little bit stronger with some of the additions with. Um, Pastor Kaschuk coming in, our first rounder from last year, and uh, trading for Aaron Forrester and, and, you know, the maturation of some other guys. So I, th- I like our D. I think our D might even be stronger than it was last year. And, and, and Dougie's, you know, he's going to be ready to go again. We picked up Getty as a, as a second goalie and someone to, to push and, and, and learn from Dougie. So I think we're in good shape there. And, and offensively, you know, we've got a lot of speed. We've got a lot of athleticism. We've got a lot of guys that can create their own shots. So uh, it's, it's been good. It's looked good. So well, far. hang on a second here. You can't just like cover off your whole roster in, in one simple question. <laughs> we got an interview to conduct, man. Uh, I'm ready, man. Well, let's, uh, let's start with, with the weekend and, and kind of work backwards here a little bit. Picked up a win over the Roughnecks. Uh, mm-hmm. What did, would you like? out of your team in, in in that victory what was it 16-9 did I just see yeah 16-9 um like the speed I like the pace of play that we were playing at um we've got an athletic group and we have the opportunity and the ability to push pace uh and and as I mentioned we have a, a group on offense that is they play fast they move the ball they move the feet and um it, it looked good i like uh, so i like the result what's yesterday. the what's the mantra going to be here you're you're i mean i keep kind of listening to you talk and it sounds like you want to play fast you want your d to play fast you want your o to play fast you want the transition game is that i mean you're a defensive kind of <laughs> you were a defensive stay-at-home kind of guy and i know you like to, to put an emphasis on defense but it sounds like with this roster here you want to play an up-tempo style of game. Yeah, and, and we built our D that way. We we want, you know, get it up and go guys and, and you know, good sticks and, and people that can push pace and transition and, and not have turnovers. And so we've, we've built the D in that mold for the last few years. And, you know, free agency was a lot of changes for us. We haven't we haven't had a lot of success in free agency in the last few years, and and so you get to these pivot moments and and focus on the draft a little bit more. So 
Uh, we, we put people in place that we think is going to change the configuration of our offense a little bit. We're going to be, you know, guys that have a little bit better shots from the outside. They, they're, you know, a little bit better at creating their own shots with some speed and, but also lacrosse IQ. Um, so it's so far it's, it's looked good. And again, I mean, you, you know, when you know, we'll know on December 3rd, when we get into the regular season and, and you know, how far we are from it or how yeah. far along we are. Uh, but at this moment where we sit today, I've, I've liked the progress. Uh, sorry, Tia, I'm going to hog the conversation here. I'll let you double up here in a second. But you, you mentioned free agents, Glenn, and, and not having a lot of success being able to lure free agents. And I want to say it was Dan Carey uh, in, in Rochester who kind of had the same sentiments. And I don't know like if you can get past that hurdle or whether there'll come a time where it'll be different in, in cities like Rochester and Albany or guys are always going to want to go to the Toronto's and the San Diego's and probably the Las Vegas is now. Um, but I, I would think that puts more of an emphasis on building your team through the draft and, and making some tough decisions like you did in, in some trades and moving guys in and moving guys out. Um, I don't even know what the question is here, but how do you get past the hurdle of not being able to attract some high price free agents? It's, it's hard. And, and I mean, you know, there are still some geographical advantages in certain cities and certain locations, which is a reality. Uh, and I think it was Dan that I was listening to. And, and, and the other thing is it's, it's difficult. I mean, you're in your 15 teams that are competing for services of one player. So it's a, it's a competitive market you know, we, our challenge has been, we've lost guys that have, you know, developed and grown and had lots of success in our organization and then have been coveted by other groups. Yeah. Uh, and that's been our problem is, is not so much attracting, it's sort of maintaining, um, you know, the ones that are having success within. So, you know, you, you, you get star players really two ways. You, you get them through free agency when, you know, you can attract them with location, dollars, contracts, that type of stuff, or you draft them. And we were, were sort of go, moving towards the ladder, trying to build up draft stock, uh, get good young talent through the draft that we can develop, have some you know, I don't know, control is maybe not the right word, but you, you have them through up until that free agency period and allow them to develop with your group. So you shift focuses every once in a while. And, and our, um, you know, we were a bit of both before the draft free agency. And, and now we're probably a little bit more draft focused and, and developing internally and, and having that growth from within. Uh, you, well, you mentioned the draft there and this past summer you guys had, or this past draft, you guys came out with seven new players, if I'm not mistaken, three first rounders. So as a whole, just talking about the draft, how do you think your, your staff and your team did in terms of preparing and executing during, during the draft? I, I absolutely loved our draft, to be honest. I mean, we, the first round players um, with Simmons, Kurtz and uh, Will Johansson, we, we had all three of them ranked in our top seven. And we were thinking, okay, we'll, you know, going into the draft, we'll, we're going to get one. If we get two, that's fantastic. And we got all three. So we were really happy with our draft. We Will's we a play now guy too, right? Clarky? Like he's, he's, Will's a play now guy. He's not going back for another year, right? No, he's at school. They're all at school. Oh, they are. Okay. So yeah, Will's back at uh, RMU, uh, Robert Morris. 
and um, Kurtz is at Delaware and Simmons is in Syracuse. So all three of them are back at school, but really high on our draft board. And, and, and we're really happy to get all of them. Uh, you mentioned Justin Getty earlier, and I'm sure spending this past summer in Nanaimo, you got to see a lot of him. And he's a guy that I raved about over the summer as well. I saw a ton of his junior games and just so impressive how quickly he can initiate transition, especially using the Woody that he was using over the summer as well. So I can't wait to see what he's like when he's using the smaller stick too. But how do you see him fitting into the roster? And do you think he's he can battle to get a couple starts this season? I think so. Um, and, you, you know, your first thing with the stick, he has been throwing darts with the, with the plastic stick. It's him and Dougie both are really, you know, they move the ball quick. They transition it quick. Um, so yeah, he's been throwing darts all training camp, but I, you know, the good thing is he's got a very similar frame and size to, to Dougie. And I, and I think it'll lend itself to developing his style, um, you know, sort of mirroring it after Dougie. So I think it's a good compliment and he showed very well. He played half the game, uh, against Calgary. And I think he let in three goals in that, um, 30 minutes of play. So uh, looks comfortable, and you know we don't have a, we don't have any back to backs this year, so it'll sort of play out. I mean, we know Dougie's the starter. Justin knows Dougie's the starter, but you know he's a pro athlete. He wants to earn minutes, gain minutes, and and you know try and compete for a spot. So there'll be opportunities, and and there'll certainly be opportunities throughout the season where he'll have a chance to showcase it. And and at this point, we're we're confident, and he'll be ready to do that. Here with Glenn Clark, uh, forgive my ignorance, but you no no goalie coach in Albany, correct? We do have one, oh, yeah, Mike McKay. Mike McKay, who um, played in the NLL, was goalie in the NLL with Anaheim, uh, Toronto guy. He's our video and goalie coach. Okay, now let's have a look at the, the holdout list here, Glenn. I'm seeing a lot of names on this holdout list that I would like to not see on the holdout list, and I'm sure you would as well, but maybe you can give us a, a quick update on these guys here. Bomberry, Sorichetti, I thought was unrestricted, but I could be wrong on that. Conrad, Sowers, Henningberg, I like these American guys that are playing in the PLL, fantastic lacrosse players. I know Amant is on that list as well. How do you get these these American guys into camp and, and wanting to play box lacrosse and wanting to play for the firewalls? It's a challenge. Um, you know, we've had separate dialogues with all of them and, you know, work related, there's all, there's different issues, different scenarios for all of them. Um, you know, they've signed a contract obviously. So that is the ability to put them on the holdout list, but we revisit it each year and through the summer and have dialogue and we think we're close at times and then other hurdles present themselves. So, uh, it's one of those things we keep revisiting every off season. Some of them we picked up through draft Conrad. We picked up through a trade uh, and had every intention of playing and then work situation changed and didn't think he could do it. So it's just really, it's every situation is different, Jake. And, yeah. and we revisit it and we, we try and find, you know, a solution and some common ground to try and get them to camp. But and I guess at the end of the day, Glenn, like if, if it's not going to work, it's not something you can really worry about either. Like you can't just spend your time worrying about guys that aren't there. You got to focus on the guys that are. Yeah. And we, 
we do, that's an off season move for us, right? Like we, we have our dialogue with them through the off season. We try and get them to camp. We try and see if there's a workable solution, you know, with, with their life and with the NLL life. And, you know, once they sort of make their choice in September, October, you know, then, then we'll try again next year. So it's, you're right. It's something we, we focus on uh, what we are, not what we aren't. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll revisit it uh, in the off season. Well, Let's let's talk about some of these guys that are on the roster. You you go back and and reacquire Nishimura, who I you know I know you did not want to let him slip away. Um, going to be a big part of that core moving forward here. But you know, talk about some of the the new acquisitions here that you know some a lot of faces gone, but maybe some of the new guys that have come in that you're excited to to have in a Fireworks jersey. Well, most, most of it's offensively. A lot yeah. of the changes offensively. I mentioned Kaschuk and Forrester on the D end and, and Getty. Um, Kieran McArdle, who had a, an outstanding season in the PLL, and Connor Kelly and Ethan Walker, all part of that championship water dog um, offensive group, right. and have all looked good. I mean, very obviously high-end lacrosse players. Um, and they're going to get a lot of opportunity and runway with us. So they are guys that are going to get touches. And a lot of times in our game, that's what it takes. I mean, some of these guys get, you know, put down the, 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 the hierarchy a little bit, become threes and fours and in and out of the lineup. Well, they're going to get an opportunity to showcase themselves. So, and, and they've looked good and they've got high end talent, high end skill. John Piatelli, who we picked in the draft out of Cornell, uh, he showed really well. He scored three goals, six goals in the two games. He's got a hat trick in both games. So he's looked good. Heine Thompson, who's yeah, I was just looking at Heine, Longboat, yeah. like some some guys here that have kind of been on the fringe a little bit, but are going like you said, are going to get an opportunity here to play for sure. And you know, it's it's a different configuration. And I mentioned off the hop, it's it's they're, they're playing fast and. We'll see what that looks like. I mean, we put up 16 the other day. It's preseason, but it's still encouraging. And it's still encouraging when you look at how those goals were scored. They're they're kind of being scored the way we want our offense to play. So, uh, again, I mean, you, you don't want to get too amped up on what happens in the preseason, but you, you have a preseason for a reason. You're looking for things and 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 different successes. And, and so far, we're having a bit of that. So it's been encouraging. Uh, I know we're doing like season preview episodes here, but I want to go back to last season for this one because you obviously had a front row seat to that game against Buffalo where every single goal was scored in <laughs> one net. And it was the most absurd thing I think any of us have ever seen. Glenn, Can you just, just sorry, like you tell me, I, I've said this multiple times, but like we are never going to see that happen again in our league's history. Like I'm convinced <laughs> of that. That's never going to happen again. I just want to know, what was it like? Like, were you like pulling your hair out? What was going through your mind when you were watching that game? To be honest, you're not like that aware of that part of it. I mean, you're, you're, you're coaching the moment and you're going on runs and, and it's like, wow, this is quite a run. And then it's, you know, wow, they're on quite a run. And, and you sort of figure out that, well, yeah, <laughs> like it is a run for a whole quarter. So uh, it was certainly unusual. And, um, you know, we, we talk about all the changes that we had on offense and, and a lot of it goes back to our playoff game in Buffalo, which was what I thought you were going to ask me about when you started with the game in Buffalo. But, you know, that was a seven, five game for Buffalo with three minutes left in the game. So we were in a position where, you know, we controlled it. We were doing a good job and we'd only put up five goals 57 minutes into the game. So, 
you know, we needed, we needed something different on, uh, on offense. We needed some change. I, I by no means thought this was going to be the change when the off season started, but you know, some of it's circumstantial. You know, we lost Reza Tarrets in, in free agency. Jacob Rue, who I love, one of the favorite players ever coached, relocated to Victoria. So it just wasn't practical. I mean, it's it's two days travel. <laughs> it's a long haul. Yeah. It's almost two days travel yeah. when you figure out the yeah. layovers and then what time you get in on one market. And yeah. So it just wasn't practical. So, you know, and then you asked about Sorchetti. He relocated to Victoria to become a firefighter. Okay. So I thought that some was of the that case. Stuff, yeah. Some of that stuff in our league is, you know, circumstances, it's yeah. geography. So some of the changes is, is, is precipitated by that. So, and other things were just opportunities that presented themselves. So we, we did need to rejig our offense. Uh, we certainly did rejig our offense, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, one guy you did not have to rejig is Charlie Kitchen, who, you know, I, I had a chance to watch this kid play last year when Albany came through Vancouver, Glenn, scored the the reverse backhand. This kid, <laughs> this kid I think is going to be something special. How's Charlie looking in his second count? He's looked good. I mean, he scored a couple of those types of goals just off slip picks, catching in traffic. And and he's just, he's such a big man. Like, I don't know if people realize how big he is. Like he is, he a, is a kitchen. Yeah. He, oh, he's a, he's a monster of a, of a man. And uh, just with really good hands um, goes to hard areas, engages contact. So he's just, you know, what you saw is, is sort of the, the coming out for him. He's going to be a good player in this league for a long time. And he just can shoot the ball. He's got great hands in tight. He's a physical presence. He's an athlete. So um, him and Tanner Thompson are, are really the two holdovers from, from right. last year's offense. Yeah. And Tanner, another one who's going to get an opportunity and has, has been showing really well in camp and, Again, these guys sometimes they're cast in that three, four, four, five role when they're behind guys like Rue and Rez. But when they get their opportunity, um, they get to showcase their talent and, and accelerate their their development, their progress, and, yeah. and they've looked good. Well, good. I want to touch on just a, a couple more guys, and then ask you a couple more things here as we speak with the head coach and general manager of the Albany Firewolves, Glenn Clark, and. One is is Mitchell, who played in Nanaimo as well. Glenn, I know you were watching this guy all summer long. Was real impressed with Mitchell. I'm wondering how he's making out in camp. The other guy is Zach Masson, who I actually had the the pleasure to announce when he was playing hockey in Langley for the Rivermen. And we kind of got to talking a little bit, and he was like, yeah, I play lacrosse, but I didn't really know anything about Zach as a lacrosse player. I found out that he, you know, he ends up playing for the Northmen and he's winning defensive players of the year. And just like he was as a hockey player, kind of a grit grinder, but a real glue guy and, and a guy that just gets the job done. So just a quick touch on Mitchell and, and Masson and how they're progressing. So Mitchell's been uh, doing well. He's actually in market, uh, living in market as oh, well, good. involved in the school programs and the youth programs. He lives with Charlie Kitchen and Justin Getty. So they're taking care of a lot of our youth stuff. Uh, he's been doing really well. I mean, you, he's, he's a kid who puts in the work and he knows that, you know, it's a large jump. Like he went from speed you know, going to be the biggest thing for him. Eh, Glenn? Yeah. Like, and, and, and he's, you can see every opportunity that he gets uh, it, it's slowing down a little bit more for him in his head. He's making better decisions. He's getting more comfortable with the ball in his stick. So, you know, I explained to him that this is going to be a year of sort of uh, your journey, you know, getting better, getting up to speed, learning how to play with these pros 
and and let's see where it goes. But he's been good. He's played in both our preseason games. He's played the full game in both. And he was better, much better in quarter four of game two than he was in quarter one of game one. So gotcha. he's on the right trajectory. He's doing well. Zach Masson actually hasn't been to camp. Okay. So Zach is still playing hockey. So he was in the East Coast League yeah. uh, at a training camp and did not have success there and is now uh, playing in the Southern Professional Hockey League. So <laughs> he is on the hockey journey. As Doesn't want to give up the dream quite yet, huh? Yeah, so he's still on the hockey path. But okay. um, I, I think at some point he's going to find his way back to lacrosse. And I think a, he will, too. I mean, he's, he's an outstanding player. Oh, yeah, right? he's really good. He's good. Um, all right, you mentioned no back-to-backs in your schedule. Other than that, we, we heard, you know, most guys I ask about their schedule, yeah, I love it. Chugger, not so much. Didn't like his schedule one bit, actually. As, yeah, aside from, from no backs-to-backs, uh, how how you liking Albany's schedule? Anything pop off the page at you when it came out? I like it. I think it's one of the best ones we've had, to be honest. No back-to-backs is huge because those are, those are tough weekends. Um, we got eight Saturdays and, a, and one Sunday at home, which is good. You know, the first part of the schedule – I don't love, but I don't think anybody loves because it's just Christmas, New Year's. It's so just for the first few weeks. But I mean, that's just a product of the timing when the holidays fall. So, and and, I mean, we're all dealing with that. So, you know, once we get through that first wave of two games and five or six weeks kind of thing, uh, and then hit January and get into our stride, we're fairly consistent throughout uh, the the rest of the year. So I, I, I like our schedule. I think it's great. Good. Um, last one, uh, can you, uh, let us in on anything that maybe Oliver and, and George and the gang there in Albany have planned for home games in Albany to, uh, get fans excited and, and into the building to watch firewalls lacrosse. I, I think one of the big things is just the, the outreach to different groups. Like we're trying to get, you know, connected to minor hockey. We're trying to, you know, boy scouts, girl scouts, like a lot of, uh, a lot of groups in market that we're trying to, uh, you know, just get a footprint in the community and, and reach out and have those types of theme nights. And uh, the show is, is a good one. You yeah. know, we put just on a get good there show and, and then, you know, it's, it's game on, right. You just got to get them in the door. Yeah. And that's been the big push, right. Is with a lot of the stuff, you know, this is new this year with the school programs, the, the youth training programs, um, we've been able to actually, luckily, cause my wife and I, with our kids in hockey, we've been connecting people from minor hockey and doing some things. So it's, it's, it's growing and it's, we're, we're, we're getting a better footprint in the community, which is good. And that's, that's what it takes. Right. Awesome, man. Hey, we just, uh, we're getting NLL crew chief Todd LeBronch onto the call here. He's feeling a little under the weather, Glenn, but this might be a, an opportunity to lay a little groundwork for the upcoming season for Todd. If, uh, if you want to, you know. Have a word with I leave Todd alone. I want to keep Todd happy. So whatever <laughs> Todd says is good with me. He's he always treats us well. So I got no problem. There you go. Classic. How are you, Todd? I'm great. Thanks, Glenn. How are you doing? I'm good. You you don't you don't sound no, bad. No, he's, he's he's playing hurt today. He's playing hurt today. <laughs> yeah, he's on the IR. Woke up this morning with a bit of a scratchy throat, but that's the extent of it. And also did my due diligence and did a test and yeah. and negative. So all good to go. I'm going to blame that hat you're wearing. All right, uh, Clarky, I appreciate you you coming on the podcast. Best of luck with the Firewolves. Uh, say hi to the gang there. Keep Colbert in, in line, and uh, we'll, we'll check in down the road. All right, fellas. Thanks for having me. We'll see you all soon. 
There he is. Head coach, general manager, Albany Firewolves, Glenn Clark, and uh, leader of men right there. He knows how to get the job done. He did it as a player. Now he's doing it as a coach and a manager. And uh, quick, pretty quick turnover there in Albany. It's going to be a new-looking Firewolves team this year, Tino. But I'm excited to see what the Firewolves – not a lot of people are giving the Firewolves a chance, but with Glenn Clark at the helm there, I'm not putting anything past these guys. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I keep hearing about people, you know, like talking about the fire sale that was, I mean, for lack of a better, lack of a better term about the firewolves, but I don't know. I have a, I have a lot of confidence in them after hearing that. And, you know, like everyone knows I'm a big fan of Justin Getty, who knows how many games, if at all, he gets into this season as a starter, but you know, like I, I like their future if they can get things going quickly here. Yeah. I'll say this, you know, if, if Justin Getty is, is playing a lot of games for Albany, Things are probably not going so well. So More than I like. know you're a big Getty fan, but uh, they got to ride Dougie this year. No question about it. You just heard him. He's playing hurt, but he's on the pod. We'll join him next. It's halftime first. This is EP210 of Lax Class. We're back after this. This is Keegan Ball from the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and boxing talk. Welcome back to Lax Class. Halftime is over. Into the third quarter we go. And season previews are done, but not really, because we're going to season preview with the NLL crew chief, Todd LeBrancher, which is brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, Blundstone Boots. I was out walking down the... It doesn't matter where you go. You see Blundstones everywhere, and there's a reason for that. They're really good footwear. Fall, winter, spring, it doesn't matter. You can wear Blundstones at any time, and you can check out all the brand-new selection at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. You want Blundstones, you want Stampede Tack. Back on the podcast, NOL Crew Chief, over 400. The drive for 500 begins in just a couple of weeks Todd LeBranche back on the pod. Uh, Todd, I know you're you're under the weather here. We appreciate you stepping up and stepping in. How you feeling and uh, getting ready for NLL season? Yeah, I just woke up this morning with a little bit of a scratchy throat, but uh, that's the extent of it. So uh, still doing my due diligence and preparation for the upcoming season and getting ready, digging into the rule book, spending time at the gym and, and getting ready to go. Yeah. Well, what did, what did you finish out? What was the, the grand total by the time the season ended last year? Where are we at? Four, 406. 406. So just 94 more to go, which how many do you normally get in, in a season, like an average? Well, you know, I think at the end of the day last year with the playoffs, uh, I finished at 32. Okay. Oh, so, not sure that that will maintain. We brought in some new guys, so there'll be a little bit of sharing the wealth. Some guys have been elevated to crew chiefs. So, well, we're looking at what three, four years tops to get it done, though, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. And you do well. Let's start there. You just mentioned some new crew chiefs here. This is news to me. Who's been elevated? Who Who is the league brought in? Well, we haven't really brought in. They've elevated a couple of guys. So, you know, and some of the guys have already been doing it last year. Uh, guys like uh, Ryan Fowler and uh, uh, Kyle Krotman, okay. who uh, have done great jobs as crew chiefs. Uh, Ryan's been doing it for a couple of years and 
and Kyle got a shot last year and, and somebody that well, both the guys I really enjoy working with, but had an opportunity to work more with Kyle this past season um, uh, just because of Ryan's duties as a crew chief. So well, maybe, maybe I'll stop you here for a second and just tell me what the difference is between being a lowly peasant of a, just a regular official to having that high and mighty aristocrat title of crew chief. Well, the only thing is, 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 hey, uh, I would think you get paid a little more, right? Get You do get a little bit of bump in pay. Right. You certainly do. And, uh, you know, I've worked a couple games over the past couple of years as a, as a, well, now, now they used to be called uh, assistant referees, but now Koharski's changed the name to game officials. So there's a crew chief and two game officials. Okay. okay. So when, uh, when I get the pleasure of working as a game official for Chico, um, I take a bit of a step back. So you're paid based on where you are in the, in the hierarchy of the, you the, just the, check out and put it on cruise control, just mentally check out and just, <laughs> I, just I, I don't know about that, but, uh, you, cause you gotta be there as a su- support mechanism for the crew chief. So, so, but it is, it is a little bit less daunting. There's, but you, you know, you're still expected to support and, and be there for them. So gotta have, uh, gotta be ready to go. I'm on with game. you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, you talked or you mentioned there uh, a moment ago about getting in the gym and preparing for the season and stuff with us being in training camp right now, everyone's obviously focused on the players getting ready for the season, but I honestly, like I've never really thought about the officials fitness level heading into a season before. And I think a lot of people are probably in the same boat. What is your, your training like going into a season? So it was abundantly clear at the end of last season with our exit meetings from, uh, from, you know, the top down Brian Lemon, Don Koharski, um, that fitness would be a, uh, a monitor for us and, and a way to, to uh, you know, ensure that we're, we're focused on, on the task at hand. And uh, I'll steal a line from Kohu who told us that he expects us to look like wide receivers and not linemen. <laughs> Um, I've been focusing on it. I think I've got myself. To I was going to say, you're looking a little thin in the face there, Todd, like better shape than I've seen you in quite some time. You got to be feeling good about yourself. I, I am. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've got myself now to, uh, to the full backstage with, with focus on ending up like a tight end because this body <laughs> will never get to the wide receiver stage. But, uh, you know, for me personally, it's a lot of time on uh, on the elliptical and a lot of weightlifting. So those are the two things that I focus on. Um, <clears throat> for example, last week I spent uh, an inordinate, inordinate amount of time on on the elliptical and and did sixty five kilometers over the course of seven days. Ooh, whoa, man! So yeah, it's it's something that I enjoy. It saves the pounding on on the uh, on the treadmill or out on the road. So well, and I think the rationale for that and. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but for Coho and, and and Brian to have their officials in shape with the speed of the game, Todd, to be able to not only keep up with it, but as you know, as you get physically tired, the brain goes next and you don't want that happening as an official because you're physically tired to make a mental mistake. That's exactly right. That's there. there you, I could not have said it better myself. And one of the things that it's almost worth a ding there, Todd. I was going to say, uh, not, yeah. <laughs> No, well, we will we, continue we're on. We'll continue. We we're close, Jake. We we're close, but not not quite there yet. I'll shake but, it off. I'll shake it off. Yeah, uh, boy. So, but yeah, one of the things that um, Coho really stresses to us, and and it was something that we kind of talked about 
in years gone by, but something that one of the messages that he really drills home is that when your feet stop moving, your brain disengages. So you've got to be active. And in order to stay active for 60 minutes at the rate that the, the game is going in, in today's world, you got to make sure that your fitness level is, is that, um, uh, you know, comparable to the players to be able to keep up with them. One of the things that I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before is that, you know, the league continues to get younger. And as officials, we don't. Our group does, but individually, we don't. So we've got to focus on the fitness, focus on the rule book, watch film, and be prepared and ready to go on Friday and Saturday. Uh, talking about, like, like guys getting younger and stuff, um, I was thinking about this earlier today and how I, I hear about this a lot with hockey, about how hockey in general is is really struggling right now to bring in new officials uh, with a lot of the abuse that they take from us, even at the minor league levels with from parents and, and other coaches and so on and so on. Is that something that also falls into the category of lacrosse? And, and if so, like, what are you guys doing to try to entice young officials or, or officials in general to try to make more steps towards the professional level? Well, it, it certainly is a, uh, a generational thing with, uh, with lacrosse, much the same as it is in hockey. There's, uh, you know, significantly reduced numbers of, of new entries into the officiating system. Um, the, the CLA, the BCLA, the OLA are all doing things to try and mitigate those, those distractions and, and those impediments for keeping kids involved in officiating. Um, <clears throat> at the NLL level, I know that, uh, one of the things that uh, the league has done in conjunction with Don Kohersky is they've started a recruitment program. The first one was held in, held in August back in Whitby, where there was 15 new recruits that came in, wanted to learn the NLL way. There was uh, six uh, NLL, current NLL officials that uh, were at this recruitment camp. And I'm not sure the exact number, but I think it's somewhere probably um, five, six, seven of those recruits that came to that camp actually did get hired for this season and are now part of the NLL staff. Wow. So it is something that uh, that both Brian and Coho are working on to ensure that that you know once the once the old timers like uh, like myself and Mark Gardonio decide it's time to hang it up that. Uh, um, <clears throat> there are, there is a, uh, a succession plan in place. And I think the other thing that would surely help in, in that regard, Todd, is <laughs> we've gone down this road a couple of times is having a unified rule book. So the young guys that are coming up are not so overwhelmed knowing the different rules between junior lacrosse, minor lacrosse. Then they get to the national lacrosse league and it's a different rule book again. And they just get circuit overload because they can't keep it all straight. I know that's something that, you know, you refereed in the WLA for 14, 15 years and then kind of put your put that aside because it was like you just wanted to focus on the NLL. And, you know, has that been talked about with with Coho and, and Brian about continuing to get to a point like I we saw Ontario Junior Lacrosse and, and we're starting to see more leagues get closer to it, but we're not quite there yet. How do we get there? Well, there was a significant step taken uh, last summer with uh, all three junior A-leagues across country, plus the MSL and the WLA adopting almost exclusively. Almost, yeah. 
uh, which would with NLL rules, which was very, very nice. And it made a significant difference for those uh, those officials that are working those leagues to be able to uh, to be adaptable and, and understand the NLL rules. So I think we're on on the way. There's obviously a significant amount of work to, to get done um, and bringing other leagues, including the minors, into that uh, into that fold. But, you know, it's a step in the right direction. And I know it's a significant focus for Brian, something that he's working on uh, a lot of the time. Yeah, I tell you, well, I mean, I was doing some hockey over the course of last week for the U-17s there. And, you know, I had some intermission reads and stuff to do. And one of them was from Hockey Canada encouraging people to become officials. So this is not just a lacrosse problem here, people. This is a, a sport-wide, country-wide, North American-wide, whatever it is. The world of sport needs more officials, and people need to really get it through their head. No officials, no games. And we really need to take a step back from, man, even through the summer, Todd, I was in rinks, you know, watching Danny's daughter play and what have you. And just the interactions from parents in the crowd, like I got to the point where I just go stand beside somebody and intimidate them just by standing beside them. So they would shut their mouth about yelling at officials. I wouldn't say anything to them. I would just look at them like, shut up with my face sort of thing. It's like, it's just ridiculous how, how invested a parent can get at a U11 lacrosse game in the middle of summer in a tournament that means absolutely nothing and they think the official is having some sort of predetermined manifesto to impact the outcome of this game like what would you be your your message to these people that just cannot sit back and enjoy their children watching them play man i got fired up there for a second you sure did jake but it's i think it's a i think it's placed uh enthusiasm because it really is a problem across uh, the country, across the sports. Um, it's it's not a lacrosse problem. It's not a hockey problem. They have the same issues in soccer, and 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 it's 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 a pretty simple message. And and you touched on it uh, when you said you can't play the game without the officials. The game is played differently because there are officials there, and if you're going to to constantly criticize critique yell at them it's going to make them make these young kids and even not young kids there's even you know early 20 year olds that are reconsidering doing just go do something else they're gonna go do something else Todd absolutely you you you're, you're bang on they're they're going to decide that it's not for them and why should I take the abuse yeah. And I, I don't disagree with them at all. I think I would probably do the same thing, especially if I was one of the younger guys, but um, I want to move into some more recent NLL related news. And uh, this may be the most boring question in the world, but it recently just came out that uh, there's going to be, uh, it's going to be a little bit more strict with the chin cups mm. hanging so far <laughs> down guys necks and stuff. Big controversy um, here. <laughs> I want to know, like, um, is that something that you guys have been talking about for a while? And, and what's that going to be like having to enforce that this season? Cause I, I know a lot of guys like don't even like to have it touching like anywhere they don't even like to have it touching their beards. So like, how, how is that going to go this season? Do you think? Well, from uh, it's, it's been known to us that this is going to be a focus for us. 
uh, since since late August, early September. Um, I know it's been mandated by uh, by the league through the competition committee, um, and it's clearly understood at least by um, a couple of uh, members of teams that I've talked to over the last uh, several weeks. I happened to be able to, to stop by Warriors training camp, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see the chin cups, how they were attached and, and where they were sitting um, <clears throat> and was specifically asked about that rule. And so to me, um, the information has been there. So now the onus is on the GMs to get it to the coaches, to get it to the players, for them to abide by it. Because it's, it's really been made clear to us that the enforcement of Rule 33.3, oh. con- <laughs> like constant contact of the chin cup with the chin in a non-extended fashion, um, uh, is to be enforced without exception. And they've, they've changed the rule slightly in a, a couple of years ago. Previously, when we were asked to, to enforce this five, six years ago, it was, it, it was a uh, warning for the first part. You got sent off. If you came back on with it again in, uh, in an improper fashion, you got a minor penalty. Now, as soon as it's not maintaining contact, you're getting a delay a game penalty under rule 33.3. 33.3. I'm breaking that out on a broadcast this year. Book it, team. Uh, by the way, Todd, since we got you on here, and, and uh, I don't know how many weeks ago it was now, but a chance for you to uh, just tell Tino how freezing cold, colder than frostbite, his stupid take of holding the 30 second clock actually Todd, really before was. you do, can I just, can I just to give the, the listeners and yourself a little bit of backstory here, <laughs> Jake sent me a text 10, five minutes ah. before recording saying, Hey, you got to come up with something for this. And I was like, that's real. Okay. That's real 33.4 Tino. Okay, whatever. So I understand that some people, I still stand by it a little bit. I know you're probably going to lay into me here, but um, I just want the world to know that Jake gave me five minutes, maximum 10 minutes to think of something here. So Todd, let's hear it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're going to hear it because there, I don't know that there was a worse job that could have been suggested. That takes the game back significantly and you know the whole premise of the game of lacrosse is to score more goals than the other team and to suggest that it's a good idea to allow a team to hold the ball for two minutes without the necessity of taking a shot or making an attempt can't buy it man all right i'm glad all right i'll put the villain cape back on i'm glad we cleared all that up todd why do some replays take forever to review and make a call on? I know we've kind of had this discussion before, and, and at the end of the day, the most important thing is to get the call right. And the, the problem, I think, lies a little bit in each arena having different camera setups. Some guys are a little bit better at their job than others getting the right angle and syncing up the clock with the, the proper angle or the foot with the over, you know what I'm saying there? But at the end of the day, for me, you just 
kind of said it. Lacrosse is about speed and flow and pace. And some of these reviews just take way, way, way too long for me and, and for other people's liking. Again, I know you want to get the call right, but can we not get to a place where if you can't get the call or you can't get the look that you're looking for within 90 seconds or two minutes, the call on the floor stands and we got to move on. So I, I think that the biggest obstacle for this, first of all, I want to make, I want to make it abundantly clear that none of us, myself, Chico, Chris Williams, Mark Gardonio, Ian Garrison, Ryan Fowler, Kyle Kropman, any crew chief does not want to be in that box for an extended period of time. And one of the things that I talk about in my pregame discussion with my crew is I said, we want to get things done quickly, but more importantly, we want to get things done right. That's something I say before every single game. So the limitations of each building is a challenge. You know, you can go into a place like Colorado, where they have access to 11 cameras, the two overheads, and they, they, you know, they can freeze frame and, and wind it back. And then you go into another building where they might have three cameras and their standard definition. And so, you know, yes, you're, you're, you're bang on the fact that we want to get it right and we want to get it done quickly. And I don't think anybody on the NLL officiating uh, staff would be against a, a time limit because, but, but, you know, I, I, I was watching my beloved Vikings steal one from the bills yesterday. And uh, you know, there was a, there was a situation where they were doing a video review and they had the capability and the ability to freeze frame four shots at, and synchronized four yeah. shots in one picture to show the different, uh, you know, components of the, the play being reviewed. And we just don't have that. Yeah. We're not, not there. yet anyways, right, Todd? Not We're, yet. Yeah, you're right. We're not there yet, but we, you know, you know, we don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. And we don't want to come out and say inconclusive, but sometimes we have to. Yeah. Because there are limitations, but we want... Has it been discussed, though, Todd? Like, has there been any discussion on, okay, like, this is, you know, we're pushing three, four minutes on, on certain calls at certain times. Like, has there been a discussion saying, okay, we need to cap this one way or the other? That's a that's a conversation at the, uh, at the competition committee level of, of, you know, whether they want to implement a time limit. Yeah. Um, you know, but that message from Brian and from Coho over the course of the years has been right. Make sure you get it right. Get it right. And, but also they talk about, they have talked to us about the fact that don't delay the game significantly. And if there is, if you've seen every angle and, uh, there's nothing to convince you, then go with the original call on the field. Yeah. Uh, you've been in a, in a situation a handful of times now where you've been mic'd up for games and, and it makes for really cool content for, for fans to be able to watch, especially as well when you guys are doing reviews, cause it's really cool to be able to listen into your guys' thought processes and stuff. When you, since you've been mic'd up so much and you're having these conversations with players and everything, I wonder, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I'm wondering if you can name a player that comes to mind that has the best chirps that you've heard when you're going across the bench or whatever. 
there's a few. Um, uh, Cody Jameson can be pretty abrasive, um, but there there's others that uh, you know. One of the one of the great uh, you know one line guys in in the league is just retired in Jordan Hall, so I'm going to miss his, oh, his conversations. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you know, there there there's one or two and. In in every uh, you know in every game, uh, Sean Evans is a fun guy to talk to. Um, so so yeah, um, just off the top of my head, those are. Uh, what about those- a camera on the helmet, Todd? Can we maybe get that one of these days, where you actually get the POV of the officials' view of the game? You know, about five six years ago in Calgary, they asked me to do that, and I said I would absolutely love to put one on my helmet to be able to show, especially on a crease dive yeah. where we've got to look at where the uh, foot was at the, at the takeoff point. When did the ball cross the line? Was there contact with the goalie? Was there contact with the crease before the ball crossed the line? And we have to do that in a, in real in time a, in a quarter of a second. Yeah. So help us make that judgment. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be more than happy to do that, I, even though I make make my my helmet look even sillier than it. <laughs> I actually want to ask you one more quickly there, yeah. Todd, in regards to the crease dives there, because I remember there was some confusion around this last year, and Christian Del Bianco was on was on Twitter about it as well, asking for some clarification on the crease dive, specifically when a player's stick will make contact with with the goalie. Like I, I remember Keegan ball doing it once last year where he tries to reach all the way around the goalie and go far side. What is the clarification there? Can the stick make any contact with the goalie? Or yes, the, it can. Oh, it can. Oh, sorry, Todd. And, and yeah. or the post as well. Yes. Right. So again, here's a discrepancy in the rules. I don't know if this is one of the ones that they modified. Can you tell the us the rule number too, Todd? <laughs> That's what I really want to know. I can tell you it would more than likely be in 67, 68, or 69 because those are the three rules that we um, study the most and and have and require the most clarity on from week to week. Um, so the stick in the NLL, the stick can make contact with the post prior to the ball going in. It can make contact with the goaltender as long as it, in the referee's opinion, that it does not impair the ability of the goaltender to make the save. So it becomes a, a judgment call by the official. Uh, Del, Del Bianco's not going to like hearing that. <laughs> I don't know if any goalie or member of the union is going to like hearing, hearing that. But if that's the rule, that's the rule. Um, have you got your schedule for the upcoming season yet? Uh, we have not. We're expecting it uh, the first six weeks, either later tonight or tomorrow. Did you request Vegas every weekend? <laughs> I uh I did uh, make one specific request because uh as you and Tina can Tino can see over my shoulder I've got my uh picture of my wife uh running a half marathon uh-huh. and she's doing that again on February 26th and uh February 24th there is a game on Friday. Well, gonna, there's uh just there's a professional disc golf tour event down there that week oh as well, Todd. There so, you go. Uh, there you, you go. Know, might might meet you there and I was going to say there's no way Mrs. LeBronch is is letting you go to Vegas without her, right? Well, it's more so that I might have to go somewhere else and her go on the run by herself <laughs> in Vegas. We don't so want, we know you don't want that happening either. No, I don't. I know. No. So if it, if it can work, it can work out. And obviously there's, 
there's so many weeks in between and so many mitigating factors to it. And, you know, as much as it's difficult for Brian to put together the schedule for, for the entire league, sometimes piecing together referee schedules for, for Coho is a bit uh, daunting as well. Uh, last one here for you. We talked chin cups, bit of a focus here this, this year. Is there any other significant rule changes or focus calls you can alert us to before we get going here this season? Yeah, so this the uh, there's no significant rule changes. Um, the the three focus rules are going to remain the same. So um, uh, the uh, illegal body checking to to prevent anything uh, like the Carson Leong incident, and uh, um, off ball slashing is still going to be a, a focus for us. <laughs> is it actually going to get called though, Todd? <laughs> <laughs> because well, I, I don't I, mean to joke, but like, honestly, that never gets called, man. I, I think it's significantly improved from, from, you know, days gone by. Sure. Yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, and I mean, course, you know, you're probably too young to even remember, but it was pretty hairy out there. Like guys just, you should come check out a senior C yeah. game. It's like prison rules out there. Yeah. Todd. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it was like that when I refereed in the WL. Oh, yeah, I, I, honestly, it was. Okay, so so there you go. A b- body checking, slashing off ball, chin cups. And embellishment is the – Embellishment. Is the, uh, okay. Of course, you know, our, our, our main goal is to make sure that, you know, player safety is paramount. So we want, to, we want to eliminate high hits. We want to stay away from, you know, significant impact with the boards. But <clears throat> we're, our mandate still to keep the physicalness in the game. This is a physical game. It's a fast pace. But, you know, make sure that they're played within the rules and, and player safety is paramount. There you go. Todd, I uh, appreciate you getting through that one. Go suck on some halls. Get back on the elliptical. Uh, say thanks to Brian and, and Coho for allowing you to do this once again here on Lacrosse Classified. And we'll look forward to seeing you out on the turf, lean and mean, in that uh, black and white striped shirt of yours. Well, Jake, just uh, just one last comment for me. I heard you and Evan talking to Mike Board last week mm. with regard to the uh, exhibition game yeah. and reminding him of the goalie fight. So I hope you didn't jinx me by, uh, uh, you know, if because I was in that game and it cost me a broken nose. Because oh. I, <laughs> I, did not, I did not know that. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I was going to say, I thought you kind of liked that sort of stuff, but uh, not when you're getting a I don't mind it, but I didn't like Aaron Bold coming down on my nose with yeah. his elbow cap. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, stay safe out there, man. Referee Appreciate safety it. is paramount as well. Yes. All right. Heal up, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it very much, guys. Have a great day. There you go. There's Todd LeBranch, NLL, crew chief Tino, over 400. Just to give you an idea, like, I think Dan Dawson, as a player, is at, like, 390, something like that. So, 20, 22 years, something like that for Todd as an official. Just ridiculous. And no sign of slowing down for him, man. He's looking better than ever. Yeah, and he uh, took it easy on me, too, on the, sure on the did. I thought it was, And then oh, also uh, did, but also didn't hand out any good questions. I was so. going to say. nothing to review no nothing there man that's cold-blooded for sure all right great chat there with todd lebranch and we got one more quarter to go here on ep210 lax class locks are coming up presented by cool bag keep it right here lacrosse flash podcast network associated labels and packaging a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service 
With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Matt Sawyer, the head coach of the Toronto Rock. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lax Class into the fourth quarter we go, which means no more breaks here on the podcast. It also means I need to tell you about associated labels and packaging. Tina, we're talking off the top that you're sick, Evan's sick, my daughter's really sick right now, and there's like no children's medicine on the shelves right now. Parents are freaking out about this, and I'm hearing here in Canada it's because of bilingual labeling on medicine packages, which just seems insane to me. Like, I don't care if you're French, English, Chinese, whatever. You need some medicine for your kid. Do you really care if it has both languages on the bottle or not? I don't. Maybe others do. Point being, you know who could help out with that? It's Associated Labels and Packaging. I'm sure they do bilingual labels. Look them up, Tylenol. Associated Labels and Packaging. Associated LP. Dot com is where you go. Need a label, need a package, Tylenol, you listening? Associate Labels and Packaging, over 40 years of experience, right here in Coquitlam. Ethics, quality, got it all. Associated Labels and Packages. Here in quarter number four, we did a big futures bet last week, Tino. You weren't part of it, but we're not going to know if that comes home, or we will. It's going to come home, but we just won't get to cash it until the end of the season. But uh, we're going to do a little something different on Lax Class Locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hear by the club, lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Lax Class Locks presented by Cool Bet Ken. I forgot to catch up with Patty Gregoire before this episode of taping. But we mentioned uh, maybe a little swag for the peoples, a little screenshot, a little bonus uh, bet. Something is in the works here with uh, Lax Class and Cool Bet. We'll hammer that out in the upcoming week and uh, entice the people a little bit more. Just sign up to CoolBet.com. Go to CoolBet.com. First-time depositors. When you put your money in, you sign up for your account, put in the bonus code LAXCLASS, and right now, CoolBet will match you up to $200. You put in $200, they give you $200. I, every time I say this, I almost cannot believe what is coming out of my mouth. Who else is going to give you a free $200 just by using a bonus code? Nobody is the answer. Coolbet.com. Bonus code LAXCLASS. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. As we're going to keep it pretty responsible here on the parlay this week, Tino. I mentioned Evan has submitted his pick from the doctor's office. The World Cup of Soccer gets going on November the 20th. This game will be played and done just before we start recording EP211, Senegal, that soccer powerhouse of Senegal, 
taking on the Netherlands. Uh, Netherlands usually right in the mix. They're going through to the next group, I would say, round of 16. They're taking on Senegal in their opening match. They're a minus 161. Evan is taking the lads in orange. As we're going all football here for this parlay, Tino, Evan's going European soccer. I'm going NFL. Thursday nighter, Tennessee at Green Bay. The over-under is at 42 and a half. And nobody likes the under. I'm taking the over in the Packers and the Titans. So there's European soccer. There's Amer- or Amer- European football, I should say, Tino. European football. American football. And there's some Canadian football going on this weekend as well. A little thing called the Grey Cup. Yeah, the 109th Grey Cup, the BC Lions, unfortunately oh, lost yesterday. Heartbreaking stuff. Yeah, that was a heartbreaker. Uh, and I, you know what? Like, I'm not really a huge CFL guy, but this season, how can you not hop on the Lions in. I was plugged I was watching. Normally, you know, I'm a proud Canadian here, Tino, but normally I'm watching NFL over CFL all day, every day. Lions in the West Final, I was watching that thing, and I wasn't changing the channel. Yeah, I had it on too. And you know what? I think uh, most of Vancouver probably had that on instead of the Canucks game yesterday. Oh, I think I'm willing God. to say. Oh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to take uh, Winnipeg on the money line, minus 217. Unfortunately, they beat our BC Lions, but I'm going to take them to win Grey Cup number 109. Suck it, Argos. Uh, go Blue Bombers. So, there you go. Over in the Packers Titans game. Bombers straight up to beat the Argos in the Grey Cup and Netherlands to take the soccer boots to Senegal. Uh, you're probably looking at around a plus 500 on that, 450, 500, somewhere in that range. So you get a nice cool bet return of over 100 bucks on a $20 jumbo buck bet on that one. Stay cool, bet responsibly. Thank us later, or don't blame us. That's the motto here on Lax Class. Uh, appreciate everybody playing along. Bonus code Lax Class. Cool bet. All right, Tino, another uh, episode is officially in the books. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast wherever you may be listening to it right now. Five stars only, please. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Ferratino, at Shemlax, at PXP for sports. At Lacrosse Classified on Instagram, at Lax Class on Twitter, Facebook page as well. Email address for you people not on social media, weirdos. Lacrosse at gmail.com. Just what uh, one of these days I would just like to abandon social media myself and just Oh, I'm take, counting down the days till I do it. Take it take a couple of months, six months away from it and just check right out. Unfortunately, with, with our kind of profession, Tino, it's not a luxury that we have, but uh, one of these days, who knows? Anyways, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, I want to thank Glenn Clark and Todd LeBranche for stopping by the pod. I want to thank our fabulous sponsors, Rycor Construction, Stampede Tack, Associated Labels and Packaging, and Cool Bet Canada for their continued support. How do you support this podcast? Listening surely helps, but support our sponsors because that's how you keep this podcast going. But for now, we got to go. For Tina Farah, I've been Jake Elliott. And for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.